Hello, welcome to The Fandom Show. This is the show where we explore fantastic fandoms by talking to our favorites about their favorites. I am one of your hosts, Stephanie Malik. I am your other host, two of two, uh, <laughs> Kaya. <laughs> Kaya Green. That's my full name. That's your full name. That's who I am. Uh, in today's episode, we are going to be talking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yes. Uh, Kaya, mm-hmm. what do you know about this fandom? What don't I know about this fandom? Fact, fact. There, there are things I don't know. I'm not as uh, quite as uh, sharp at it as I used to be in my teenage years when I literally sat in my bedroom memorizing things on purpose. I did have friends, um, but <laughs> they just, I guess, weren't readily available. I don't know. Um, but uh, I this this is my major fandom. It's the thing that... Uh, the the reason I have the career I have, it's the reason I have the relationship I have. This uh, fandom's a big deal to me in a, in a lot of different ways. Um, so what about you? Uh, what do you know about this fandom? Uh, I am a passing fan of this. I've seen the whole show once through. I've seen this and Angel. Uh, once more with Feeling, the musical episode, I've seen countless times, and I could sing along to all the songs before I'd ever seen a different episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Respect. Why? I don't know. I like music. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a fairly passive knowledge of Buffy. Uh, I mean, it's kind of impossible to have a fully passive knowledge being in a relationship with you. Because I bring it up at every possible opportunity? Absolutely. Yeah, you do. Yeah. <laughs> do it because I because I just jam it into the middle of any, any conversation? Absolutely, yeah. Um, so today our special guest is... Us. Yay! <laughs> Yay! We're the favorites we're talking we're to about favorite. our favorites. Hey, Steph, you're my favorite. I mean, you're my favorite, too, so Aww. this makes sense. That's a real thing. It makes sense. That's um, why we're in love. So I'm just going to jump right into this. How did you get into Buffy? Okay. And what is Buffy? The year was 2006, six, I think. Six. 2005, 2006. Um, I was in uh, grade 10, and I had I spent the whole year having this massive crush on a girl. Um, I wasn't uh, uh, aware of uh, gayness at the time. I just knew that something was different. Um, and I, I finished the year being like, you know what? I, I need something for me. And at the same time, uh, was getting into uh, LimeWire and downloading things. I ended up uh, kind of reading something about Buffy and how there was a queer relationship on the show, uh, and I ended up downloading the uh, episode Once More with Feeling, um, and I watched it, and like 10 minutes in, there is a, there is a dance move where a bunch of vampires do like a little grr uh, uh, sort of dance, and I thought it was so self-aware and so like so silly um, that I just... Become, became instantly hooked with how weirdly meta it was. Um, and then I just started downloading more episodes on LimeWire. And partially it was to see some queer representation. But then as it went on and on, I was just like, oh, my God, I love this show. I ended up buying DVDs before that was cool. Um, and was that, buying DVDs ever cool? I ended up buying a bunch of DVDs. <laughs> and I, I, uh, it became like the summer of Buffy. I became obsessed with it. I made fan videos. I... Like, I became a staple member of the IMDb Buffy board. Shout out to those folks, who some of which I still have on Facebook. Um, and since then, it's just become a big part of my life. Like, it, I wanted to become a TV writer because of Buffy. Um, and I now am doing that professionally as my full-time job. So, it, yeah, it, it was, it, that's how I got into it, is I just went, went kind of by accident stumbled across it and then just went deep when I really, really needed something to go deep into. Oh, a classic fandom story. Absolutely. What about you? And when did you start watching it? Um, so I first heard about Buffy the Vampire Slayer when my first uh, big boyfriend broke up with me on the phone to go watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, I don't think those two things were connected, but in my child brain, uh, my teen brain, 
they were forever interlinked. <laughs> so I would not watch Buffy for a very long time. Oh, I no. held, I was so bitter. Um, That's very fair. In a weird way, why am I bitter about a, a teenage vampire killer? I don't know, but I was. Um, so I didn't watch the show until probably uh, late 2000s for the first time and decided that I was going to uh, do that watch through. I found out when the Angel episodes intersect in the timeline, so Love I did that. did that classic watch because I want to be thorough. Doing it right. Um, but, there is no right way to do it, but that is one of the ways to do it. Uh, and one of my my best fandom friends, um, Carly, she was really into Buffy um, when we were friends. And so I saw the musical episode because she was like, you have to see this. So I knew bits about these characters, but had no concept of truly um, what it meant. So like knowing that Anya has a line about bunnies and I was like, cool, this is a thing. I don't know what this means. Later I found out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I wasn't super deep into it at all. I just wanted to have that cult, that cultural touch point. Uh, and then I met this this adorable nerd. Uh, and Who? It's you. <gasps> uh, and then decided to, while drunk to be real, real cocky and be like, do you want to produce the Buffy musical episode in a live show? Which in, was the most romantic thing anyone's ever weeks? said to me. <laughs> uh, and you can be Spike and I'll be Anya. I, you had to sell me on being Spike. Yeah, I did. Um, yeah, because you were nervous about it. You didn't think you could pull it off. Oh, it's, it's to be fa- fair, very swaggery and also way out of my range. <laughs> uh, that being said, we've done it several times now and you killed it. It turns out you can change the range. Yeah, you can just do that with music. It's magic. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah. Yeah, as we have gotten closer, uh, obviously Buffy has made uh, more of an impact on my life since then and was one of the reasons we ended up getting together. So that's how I got into Buffy. Wonderful. Um, And you have watched the whole show as well. I have, yeah. I've watched the entire show. I also don't remember anything. I have no memories uh, that work. So yeah, uh, I remember things generally that happen. Like I know Anya's great. (laughs) But you don't like know like episode titles and stuff. No, no, no. Absolutely not. Not even close. (laughs) That's definitely where I come from because like I, when when I was watching it, I was a teenager with literally nothing better to do during the summer. So I bought I bought the first the DVDs with queer people in them, uh, seasons four, five, and six. Watched those a million times, memorized those, literally memorized those seasons, and then uh, bought season three, and then bought season uh, two and one, and then seven, and watched them in that order, which is absolute chaos. Absolutely, do not do that. Do um, not do that. You have That's to confusing. already like the show to do that. Yes. Yes. It was a really bold move on my part. Okay, I'm going to ask you, uh, just as a primer, if anyone hasn't seen Buffy. 100%. Uh, and the first half of this is going to be fairly spoiler-free, just to, as a touch point. And then later on, we're going to get deeper into the thing and give you the juicy gossip. Totally. Like, if you if you have been like, eh, you know, my friends keep bringing up Buffy and I feel awkward that I don't know a single thing about it. I want to be able to at least, like, bring something up. You can listen to this first half. We'll give you a primer. Uh, it'll, be, it'll be easy. And then second half, we'll get into the dirt. All right. The so grave Kyle, dirt. The grave dirt. Vampires. Uh, <laughs> good segue, Kaya. I did it. Um, so, te- Kaya, tell us who are the main characters and give me one word uh, to kind of describe each of them. Okay. So, um, I'm not going to do one word um, because the first but one. But that's the game. The first one needs two words. Um, you just going to say vampire slayer? No. Um, so, uh, Buffy, chosen one. Okay, uh, that's because fair. Buffy is you get one no you get two words you don't need to explain the rest. I thought I thought I needed to explain these people. Fine. <laughs> okay, I will do the one word and then we can backtrack. Okay. Um, so Buffy, chosen one. Uh, Xander, sidekick. Giles, watcher. Willow, witch. 
There. All right. So Did it. That's the main cast of characters. Yes. Now Those you the can main tell Scoobies. people other things. Okay. So the premise of the show is that um, uh, it, it's supposed to be, like, from its origin, a turn on the girl walks into an alley, uh, like a, an innocent, uh, blonde, helpless girl walks into an alley. Uh, she gets scared. Big monster attacks her. And big monster wins. Uh, the premise from uh, Joss Whedon, who is a very, very problematic man, and I in no way endorse him, um, We'll get into that later, but uh, the premise uh, was that uh, what if that girl, the the victim girl, uh, turned around and kicked that monster's ass? And that's the premise of Buffy. Buffy is a chosen one. Uh, she is the vampire slayer, and it is her job to fight against uh, the demons and the forces of darkness. Vampires, demons, and forces of darkness, um, as the preamble of the first couple seasons will tell you. Uh, so she is assigned a watcher. Uh, the watcher is like her trainer, her guide, her mentor, and that in this case is Giles, who is also the school librarian. Um, she is, as a slayer, isn't supposed to have friends, but because Buffy is a little bit headstrong, she does. And in the long run, it's her friends that help her survive. Wow, heartwarming. Um, <laughs> and her friends are Xander and Willow, and there are other people who cycle through over time. So like there's uh, uh, Xander's kind of a nerdy sidekick type, and Willow's kind of also a very nerdy sidekick type, but in, in different ways. Uh, Willow's very, very shy. Uh, and Xander is uh, loud and obnoxious. Yeah, she's the brains, he's the heart. Yes, exactly. Buffy's the punch. Yeah, and then there's other people who cycle through over time. So, like, if you hear Cordelia, she's kind of the the mean, the vapid mean girl turned uh, turned friend, um, and in some cases lover. Uh, there's Angel, who is like the broody vampire in love interest. Not there's, to be confused with later broody vampire. Yes, there's many broody vampires, to be fair. Um, but more importantly, the show was sort of designed to be a metaphor for uh, being uh, being a teen and having all of these problems that you constantly have to fight and figure out, except instead of your problems being like the boy who doesn't like you, now the problems are the boy is a vampire, he's lost his soul, and he's trying to kill everybody. <laughs> yeah, classic teen story. Yeah, exactly. But it's uh, working, working it through in those metaphors. And like as time goes on, the metaphors get looser or more specific or uh, weirder. But they, in the first couple seasons, it's very, very much about high school is hell. Yeah, and if you want to see some of the best worst fashions that you've oh, ever seen, boy. it is such a beautiful 90s dream it's in a that capsule. way. It's, it's, a capsule. it's a capsule. The music, the fashion, it is very nostalgic for me. Yeah, it was actually one of the first shows, fun fact, because uh, like in, this is a little First TV. shows ever. Yeah, one of the very first TV shows. No, um, the fun fact about this uh, from a like TV history perspective is that this show was one of the first shows to like get a bunch of bands on very frequently. It was something that the WB did a lot is they had, uh, like they tried to touch in, and this was part of the 90s, like, uh, uh, super capitalism thing that happened is they tried to touch into other points of um, uh, pop culture. So like both both Buffy and Dawson's Creek did that a lot. It's Which like, were like the two big shows for the WB that kind yes. of kicked off that network. Dawson's Creek wouldn't exist if it weren't for Buffy because Buffy did so well and then they were like, we need another one of those. Let's do that. But fewer evils. Depends on what you're talking about. Dawson is a piece of shit. <laughs> I hate abs- that guy. You're absolutely not wrong. Save that for the Dawson's Creek Oh episode. my gosh, there will be one. Then there will be one. Um, yeah, okay, so um, yeah, my my question for you is uh, do you, like, if, uh, this show is obviously has so many monsters. I know you're a big monster person. Do you have, like, ones that leap out in your head over the course of the show? Ooh, okay. Favorite episodes, favorite things that were done? Okay, uh, <laughs> so I'm not gonna remember episodes or anything. Yeah. Um, I know in season one they have the yucky face guy. 
wow, okay, you're going to have to be way more specific the, the than big, that. The big bad guy of the first season, like the, the master, master. Yeah. the master. So for, that guy's scary. For those of you listening, the kind of like season-long uh, villains are usually called big bads, and then episode villains are just the monsters or villains or I, uh, monsters of the week. I do worry that I am going to spoil by saying some of my favorite villains, so I'm, I'll, I'll say that for later. Yeah, um, okay, fair. Because you might not know that they're villains uh, until yeah. they become villains. Um, <laughs> I got to say, and this is going to be kind of obvious and maybe a bit of a cheat, but Sweet, who is the villain from Once More With Feeling, he's like a tap dancing, singing guy. He's very delightful, very charming. Big fan of that villain. Um, all the other ones are spoilery, though, so I can't say that. Okay, never mind. We'll come back around for oh, it in the hot takes. Okay, okay, okay. Um... So I'll ask you, what do you think are the must-watch episodes to get people into the show? See, this is a really interesting question because, uh, like, eh, first of all, the first season is rough. Um, That's uh, every show. I mean, not every show. I mean, I think now with Netflix and stuff, you get seasons coming hot out the gate. Like, Stranger Things' first season is better than the rest of the show. Oh, yes, um, fact. Because people come in with, like, big concepts, and they really plan for that first season because you have to get people's attention fast. But this was back when network television was a thing, and it usually took three seasons for things to get good. <laughs> At Dawson's Creek. At Dawson's Creek. Um, so this... this uh, the first season is, and I think maybe you can attest to this, like, so 90s. Oh, my gosh. And, like, comically, just comically 90s. Yeah. And, like, fun fact, they literally had one hallway set, and they just kept shooting it from different angles and putting the posters in different places. It's, like, wild how little money they had to work But that's with. clever, because I, as a casual watcher, there, I would never have thought that. I'm not paying attention to that. So yeah. why spend the money on two hallways I, when you can have one? Very true. It's the same thing with extras. There's one uh, one episode called uh, uh, Never Kill a Boy on the First Date, and in the end of the episode... Um, that's just good advice. Uh, yes, very good advice. Uh, but in the end of the episode, there's one extra in the background. This is something I found years ago, and it, it delights me to this very day, uh, who is wearing, um, like, red and brown plaid in a, like, a, in a business suit type thing. Supposed to be a high schooler. Don't explain. I, I have no idea. But it is the most aggressive outfit I've ever seen. And they had so few extras that they had to make this extra walk by in the background no fewer than 12 times, always going in a different direction, walking downstairs, then walking upstairs, then walking past people. As soon as you see her, you will never hear the scene again because it's impossible to not see them. Honestly, if you're an extra, why are you wearing such a bright outfit? I don't know, but it makes me laugh so hard. Oh and that's God. how little money they had in that first season. Um, like you see tons of reoccurring props, tons of reoccurring things because they just had nothing, nothing to work yeah. with, which is really, really funny. Um, so the first season's rough. Uh, I think this the show really starts to get its feet um, in season two, specifically when Spike shows up, but then even more specifically, the show like really lands its first big punch in a two-part episode called Surprise and Innocence, um, where some, some, some big stuff happens to Buffy on her birthday, and that's when it really started to take off. Um, and from that point on, it's really great. Uh, if you had to watch a single episode, though, to like really, really get into it, there's some later episodes that I would recommend. I mean, I watched uh, Hush, I think, first. That and, can't be your first episode. I mean, I think if you do watch it as a first episode, it's one of the best episodes of the show, and then you'd have to go backwards. It's like kind of you can watch it as an isolated episode, but I would recommend watching from the beginning and just like knowing that it will get less 90s. I promise you it gets less 90s. And 
Depends on what you think, because I don't want it to get less 90s. I want it to stay the most 90s. Yeah, I just I guess I just mean in like production value got it, got and it, that got stuff. It. it gets less rough. Got it. It gets it's, it, it turns into a more polished product after that point. Because I know some people watch the first one and they're like, wow. And I'm like, no, 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 I promise, I promise it gets good. I feel like that's so many shows where you're just like, watch the show. The first season is, Ugh. Well, I mean, Please keep watching. even to this day, like Parks and Rec, the first season, you're like, Who was that weird guy? Thank God he's Mark gone. Mark Brandenowitz. Oh, yuck. <laughs> yuck. What a terrible character. If, if the actor somehow was listening, I'm sure you're a lovely guy, but your character was trash. It's not your fault. But it might be. But it be. could be. Anyway. We don't know how well it was written. <laughs> it might be that you are bad. Look, this episode isn't about you, Mark Brandanowitz. Back <laughs> off. Stay tuned for that one later. <laughs> one episode just about him. 100%. Okay, so Steph, who are, who are your favorite characters? Because I know you have favorite characters. Um, and like, let's, uh, not talking about villains for a second. Let's just talk about the Scooby gang, as they're called. A reference to Scooby-Doo, of course. What? Uh, who are your favorite people? Okay, so my absolute favorite character it's not a member of the core Scoobies. It is a character that comes in a bit later, and I'm sure you'll tell me exactly what episode this character comes in. And they come in early and then disappear a bit and then come back and end up being a regular yeah, character. Yeah, they, they come in mid-season in an episode called The Wish. Oh. <laughs> Anya is the greatest television character in my heart. I just, she's so funny. She's such a great voice of the audience. Uh, Emma Caulfield plays her and does such a charming, delightful job where she's a monster that turns into a, a human. Yeah, this is, this is not much of a spoiler, but she's a vengeance demon. That, that's established pretty well in, in, her, in first her first episode. episode yeah. So this is not a major spoiler by any means. Uh, yeah, she's a vengeance demon whose entire deal is she uh, uh, helps wronged women get vengeance. Yeah, that she punishes yucky men, which... You gotta love that. I mean, you, you don't, how can you not love that in a character? You're legally not allowed yeah. to not like it. So this this sassy character who comes to try to deal with crappy guys and then ends up being one of the most charming characters in the entire show. Yeah. Hands down, best character. Why is she so blunt? Why is she so blunt? Because she's uh, an ancient vengeance demon and yeah. she doesn't know how to how humans communicate. Yeah, she's like 2,000 years old and she's basically kind of new, new to humanity. Yeah. So she is like unbelievably... Uh, straightforward and it's so fun it's such a fun you can tell that the writers love writing her yeah and it's delivered beautifully um i will also do a, a toss in there for giles it's impossible not to love giles he's the watcher he's the one he's kind of buffy's teacher and mentor librarian at the school why no one thought it was weird that these kids were always hanging out with this old guy i don't know and i say old guy he's <laughs> younger than me probably at the start of the show so Maybe. Uh, I'll do some research on that to feel terrible about myself. Um, <laughs> Anthony Stewart Head, excellent actor. Anthony, you can see him now in Ted Lasso. Oh my gosh. We'll do, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, this is one of his only roles where I think he plays like a good guy. He is uh, otherwise notoriously playing villains, yeah, which seems Merlin, really weird to me. Yeah, Merlin, he was uh, Uther Pendragon. Yeah. He was such a piece of crap. Terrific actor. Wonderful actor and wonderful human. Um, and his, his Giles is so, so caring. So it's, it's rare that you get to see such wonderful uh, depth of character, I think, uh, in teacher roles. Normally, they're just like, I'm a teacher. Don't do bad things. Yeah, or in the case of Dawson's Creek, they're like, I'm sleeping with my students. Okay, spoiler. That's <laughs> season one anyway. It doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, no, he's just such a beautiful, rich human, and he has a full life and a full backstory, and he's caring and loving, and he sings like an angel. And he's a badass. And he's a badass. Like, when he was younger, he was a badass. It, like, his nickname was Ripper. He is oh, so cool. I love him. So those are my two favorites. But who 
so we actually wrote our questions separately, so this is fun. Um, <laughs> but I wrote, who is your favorite character, and has it changed from when you first watched the oh, show? Oh, 100% it has. So, like, I think when I was a teenager, I absolutely loved, uh, like, I like Buffy. I, I will always like Buffy, um, but she's not my favorite character. I, but that's because me as a little weirdo, I never attach to the protagonist because they're never the person I generally associate myself the most with. I love that because um, I'm the same and I rarely identify with the protagonist, um, which tells a lot about how we feel about ourselves. Oh, 100%. Yeah, we're, like, yeah. we're the weirdos on the side. I'm a sidekick. <laughs> I, feel, I feel good about myself. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I loved Willow. Um, partially because I got into the show because of the queerness in Willow. I'm, I'm just going to spoil this. I'm sorry, but this, it, it is, to be fair, a 20-year-old show. Um, yeah, I don't feel super bad about these This spoilers. isn't a big, big spoiler, yeah, but uh, Willow does date a, um, a woman later in the show, and so, like, obviously the queerness there I, I, was, I was very attached to as a teenager because I had never seen that before. I uh, quite literally didn't realize that girls could date other girls, which is what I identified at the time, until I watched that show, I thought it was not possible. And mm -hmm. I like I knew gay people existed abstractly, but like I didn't understand that people could be in a happy relationship. I like the only uh, the only queer representation I had ever seen on TV were like women making out during sweeps week and then being like, ha ha ha, never mind. Uh, you died uh, now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Goodbye. Exactly. So I, this was the first time I ever watched a show and I remember like sitting in science class one day and just like daydreaming and thinking like, wow, there's actually like happiness you can have um, in that world. And so Willow has, will always have a very, very special place in my heart. Um, I don't super love everything they did with her, but I also think Alison Hannigan um, did a very good job with uh, that character in making her her like both shy and still very like uh, dynamic and lovable, which if and you, powerful. And if you watch the unaired pilot, you'll know that the original uh, the original thing they shot had a different actress named Riff Reagan. Um, and what a name! I know um, and that should have been the character's name. <laughs> I disagree. Oh. Oh. <laughs> well, we'll fight about it. Okay. Um, well, I guess we're breaking up. Uh, wait, um, what? Wait, what? Oh God. <laughs> Um, anyway, so, uh, yeah, Riff Reagan got recast, um, because she was a little too pathetic in the way she, like, not as a human, but in the way she, I'm Coming so Riff sorry, Reagan. Riff Reagan. Please don't listen to you this. You already lost so much. Oh, um, no. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, like, she did a very good job, and she did what was pretty much on the page in a big way, but Alison Hannigan brought an extra thing to it, um, that I think was really necessary for the alchemy of the show. Uh, so, like, yeah, Willow was definitely one of my, one of my big loves. I really liked Xander at the time because I was uh, like I watched a lot of Friends when I was a oh, kid. Oh yeah, Xander is Xander. Yeah, I mean basically Xander. Xander <laughs> uh, is Chandler, and Chandler is Xander. One hundred percent. And in the '90s, if you were uh, a goofy, uh, kind of misogynistic um, brunette guy, you get away with a lot. Yeah, and I like to think I wasn't the misogynistic part, but I think we were all a little misogynistic back then, to be Absolutely. fair, um, because we were watching shows like Friends. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, even that delivery just then was very Chandler. So like that, that really influenced me a lot. I, I dealt with a lot of things through sarcasm um, because that's how I knew to, that like that was... No way. <laughs> me? <laughs> um, I, that, was, that was my weapon in the, uh, in the high school landscape is to be the funny one. So I really identified with, with Xander in that respect. But as I get older, 
I just want to be Giles. I want to be Giles. I want to have a library like Giles. I want to wear sweater vests. Um, I don't look good in sweater vests. <laughs> but I like... We'll I, just put sleeves on them. It's okay. Yeah, to be fair. Um, also, he evolves a little. He's a little less tweedy in his later yes, years. Yes, yes, yes. Well, he's not so fresh from England. 100%. And as we all know, England is 100% tweed and nothing else. Absolutely. You have to check your cardigans or your uh, paisley. Yeah, whatever. cardigans are okay, but only yeah. on weekends. Only on weekends. <laughs> that's for casual time. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I love what they do with Giles. I love his character. And as you say, he's been like a very complex character and a very interesting character. Um, and with all that said, I also uh, have a soft spot for the the evil the evil guys. I, I do love Spike. Um, once again, a character that in the later years I could take or leave a little more. But early yeah. Spike is so fun. Oh, yes. Spike in his first season, which is season two, right? Yes. Oh, look at me go. I learned <laughs> I'm stuff. so proud of I you. I learned things. Uh, <laughs> okay, yeah. we're back together. Uh, great. <laughs> Thank goodness. Uh, Spike in season two is phenomenal. Like, you just, what a little turd. Um, <laughs> I, I will say I can't stand Drusilla, and I I don't know how you feel about nah, that. I kind of like Drusilla. I find her so obnoxious. Drusilla I, is uh, his his love, his great uh, over the centuries love, um, who uh, is treats him like dirt. Is what the British would describe as dotty. Uh, his succubus. He, he, she he, she has a lot of uh, like uh, visions. Yes, but she also does a lot of like spiky, monkey, 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 and I hate does. that. To be fair, she can also kill people really effectively. I don't care. <laughs> kill me without the baby talk, please. Yeah, that's fair. Spare me. Yeah, but I really liked that uh, in season two, the big bads of the the like the fanged four, as they call them. Ooh, um, I did not know that. That is what they are called. Yes, um, specifically, there were only three of them at the time, but uh, the fanged four would be uh, Angel, Drusilla, Darla, and, and Jealous. Not Angel. Um, yes, Angelus at the time. Ooh, yeah, yeah. did I just correct you on a Buffy thing? I mean, sort of. Boom, yeah. boom, boom, boom. Still the same person. Boom, 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 I am the champion. I'm never going to hear the end I'm of this. I'm the chosen one. <laughs> you are the slayer. Yes. Yes. Wait, no, that sounds bad. Oh, it does. It no. absolutely sounds like way, like just too much burden. I'm way too lazy to be a slayer. <laughs> uh, okay, Kaya. Yeah. Do you have an OTP, a one true pairing from Buffy? I mean, Willow and Tara. I, I, the really? Thing is, yeah. I thought you would say Willow and Oz. No, I, I do love Willow and Oz, and I would argue that they were a, more lovable as a whole. For me, in my heart, I can't, I can't ever let go of Willow and Tara. I think a lot of people feel very mixed feelings about Tara as a character, and I'll give that to them. She's very shy, and that doesn't appeal to everybody. Um, but because of just like their personal monumental importance in my life, uh, uh, Willow and Tara and everybody else can get fucked. But um, with that said, I actually think Willow has the best relationships on the show across the board because my second would probably be Willow and Oz. Like I love Willow and Oz, and Oz is a character I think is individually much better than Tara as a what character. What a healthy man. What a healthy man. I love it. The show, especially for the 90s, has a lot of healthy masculinity. Uh, yeah. It has a lot of very unhealthy masculinity. It does. And uh, the thing the thing I like about it is it's slightly more aware of the unhealthy masculinity. Yeah. Like, if you compare it to something like Dawson's Creek, like, the unhealthy masculinity in that show... What are you talking about? doesn't always get, like... Is this a Dawson's Creek episode? <laughs> no. Um, because we're going to do one of those. But, like, uh, with a comparable show of the same time. Yes. But even if you look at Friends, you know, like, the unhealthy masculinity there is not always called out. Whereas on, on Buffy, with characters like Riley or uh, Riley's friend Forrest, 
forest or like um, a lot of the villains, uh, even sort of like the shitty side characters that were like mean and misogynistic and then you kind of dig into that. Mm -hmm. Like the show was way more aware of that because it was part of the DNA of the show. Yeah. Um, There's lots of arguments to be made about how feminist the show really is. Oh, we'll get into that in the hot take section. So on and so forth. But um, I think that... Like, most of the time, women in power is not something the show is afraid of at all. Um, And the men who are afraid of it get kind of punished punished as a result, which is always something you like to see. The only person who kind of gets away with it more than he should is Xander. Absolutely. And that's because he was that affable sidekick guy. So he got away with being a creep and constantly trying to sleep with Buffy and get mad at her that she wouldn't. Yikes. Um, do, has, has your favorite character changed? I know it hasn't. Why am I asking you this? No, it has not. No. Um, but I will say uh, my OTP is actually not a romantic pairing. Um, it's Anya and Giles is my favorite couple that's not romantic in the whole thing. Their dynamic later on in the seasons is so fun and adorable. And he's just like, oh, you'd, you're impossible. And she's like, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> um, and it's a pretty good impression of that. They have a very fun dynamic. Yeah. Um, it's, they really have a bit of an odd couple going on when in season, in season like five, when he gets the magic. Yeah. Box, five and six. And uh, Anya becomes his clerk. It's just like, and now we're doing this fun sitcom. Absolutely. Just watching <laughs> them try to operate that store could be its own show. And I would watch every episode and, wrote, and do a whole episode about that show. Oh, damn, I would straight up watch that. Right? It would be so good to just, oh, it's beautiful. I Yeah, that's really great. You're, you're right. They, they do have like a really, I had never thought of it that way, but they do have a really lovely pairing and it really peaks into Bula Rosso when they have the like, their their little bunnies conversation. Absolutely. Oh, One of my favorite episodes, Tabula Rosa. I, that's uh, such, such a good one. We love a memory loss episode. You gotta love it. Yeah. How can you not? I mean, how can you, it's illegal. It's illegal. It's one of the other ones that's absolutely illegal. Absolutely illegal. You cannot. <laughs> uh, Kaya, do you want to get into some hot takes? I want to get into some hot takes because I'm tired of not saying spoilers. Okay. Steph, I'm tired of Okay, it. so everyone, they're going to be spoilers. Uh, spoilers advance from here. If you don't, don't want to hear spoilers, now is your time to exit. Go watch the entire show and, and then, then come, come back. back. <laughs> Whoa, that was not on purpose. All right, first hot take. Everyone Buffy dates is awful. That's not a hot take. That's just true, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> to be fair, some people would consider that the hottest of takes. Yes, because there are a lot of people who love, like, Buffy and Spike. Okay, so who are we talking about? We're talking about uh, Angel. We're Angel. talking about Riley. Yeah. These are the longest ones. Yeah. Like, we're not talking about Scott Hope. I'm talking about literally everyone. Oh, literally everyone. L- the hot take from the internet, where I went to find a bunch of hot takes. Yeah. Uh, says everyone she dates is awful. Okay, so let's go through this. She dates uh, uh, Angel. Um, she dates uh, Scott Hope briefly. Yuck, yuck. Uh, then she dates Parker, sort of. She sleeps with him and sort of dates him. Then she dates Riley. Yeah, uh, yuck. Then she doesn't date anybody for a bit until she dates Spike. Boo. And then pretty that's pretty much the end of the road. Yeah, and then she dates herself. She has like a hot garbage taste in men. She does, absolutely. To, like to be fair, even the good ones became evil. Yeah, it's like, how do you, oh God, I was going to say, how do you do so badly? But she's got other things she's worrying about. She's not worrying about men. She is. She only worries about men. I mean, but she's yeah, got other things to do. And saving the world. Okay. And occasionally dying. Hey. Oh, wait. No, we did say spoilers. <laughs> More than occasionally, in fact. I think she dies like three times in the show. Um, I thought it was just two. 
Um, I mean, that's just in, I guess, once more feeling, they say she died twice. That's why yes, I know that. Yes, yeah, yeah. And then she, uh, I think, kind of dies. Anyway, um, the point is there are a lot of apocalypses and a lot of occasions to die. Yes. So she's got bigger things to worry about. <laughs> Two major deaths. But also, that's some self-loathing, man. You keep dating these shit men. 100%. Like, Angel I, off the top is a 200 years older than her. So it's, like, it's like Twilight, but if somehow Edward was, like, broodier... I guess. Uh, like, broodier, but also <laughs> more interesting, but also, meh. What is Angel's, like, he doesn't have a job. He doesn't have a personality beyond, Ugh. Is that what you're concerned about? No, Would you I'm have just been happier? Think, no, 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 I'm trying to just state, Angel Look, has no identity. If Angel had just been able to hold down an account, accounting position, then maybe he, he would He has been... <laughs> no identity beyond, I used to be unjealous. I think Angel gets much better in his own show. Yeah, once he got away from Buffy... Great. Yeah, fun fact that he was going to leave the show after like after two or three anyway, but um, they used three to kind of test out whether his own show was going to work. Um, and specifically the episode where he gets possessed by a Sadie Hawkins uh, sort of ghost demon thing um, in I Was Made to Love You is the episode that Joss Whedon was like, okay, you can carry your own show. All right. Yeah. Um, but it... I feel like he's the most interesting of Buffy's boyfriends, in my opinion, because... You more than Spike? Because I like Angelus. Mm. I like Angelus way more than I like Angel on the actual show. Yes. Um, in terms of just, like, David Boreanaz has fun with Angelus. Well, Angelus has a personality. Yes, there is that. Like, that's the <laughs> thing He's not just tortured? That's Buffy's boyfriends are just like, I'm tortured, everything's hard but for me. But what if we brooded? Oh, then will you like me more? Yes. Mm. The answer yes, is, the yes, yes, she will. Oh, God. I mean, because then when you get into her second major relationship, Riley, that it, he's not prudy enough. Yeah, he's just such a, like, average man. Yeah, I am average in every conceivable way. I mean, Spike calls him Captain Cardboard, and he's not He's not wrong. He's not wrong at all. Um, Riley, but Riley's, I think, a good example of kind of like a toxic masculinity in that he starts being very healthy, but the more Buffy has uh, more power than him, the more it gets to him. Yeah, and he becomes a bit of a doinko. Yeah, he becomes a complete doinko. Yeah. He's also boring as hell. He's so boring. Oh, my God. She's like, her taste in men is either I'm going to destroy myself or You're that fine. sound, <laughs> yeah. the sound of <laughs> silence. <laughs> Hello, darkness, my friend. <laughs> not even. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, it's not even worth a song. Yeah, but Riley is the worst, and we don't like him because he's both destructive and dull. Yeah. Uh, the worst combo. And then... Spike uh, is just... He's fun, I guess. I can see why... I can see why a lot of younger people really love Spike. He's a lot of fun, but also, like... It's pretty problematic. I think as soon as he starts to actually get with Buffy, I stop liking him. Because yeah. it, then it, it becomes like this very... And I understand what they were going for. They were going for that toxic will-they-won't-they, they, like emotional abusive relationship. Yeah. I just didn't um, want to watch it. Yeah, uh, Which is very reasonable. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I found that, that Spike is a wonderful character and, until they decide his entire purpose in life is to torture Buffy. <laughs> yeah, and then please no, I'm good. Yeah. Um, but like, oh, Buffy, get better taste. Even her taste in women, because there were a lot of like w very, very uh, slash ficky kind of things with her and Faith. Oh, yeah. Even that. Girl, come on. Girl, come on. Girl, come on. She's not good for you. She's not good for you. You're None perfect for each other, but she's got to work on her issues. Yeah, honestly, send her to therapy for a couple years. Come back and try it out. See how it works. Absolutely. But I think there were there was literally more chemistry between Faith and Buffy oh, in, yes. in the two forehead kiss, kisses that they share than there was in entire two seasons of her 
and Riley. Absolutely. No <laughs> doubt. I felt way more chemistry between them. I feel very strongly for Riley, and it's not <laughs> positive. Oh. <laughs> yeah, she has garbage taste in men. The real romantic lead of the show is Willow. I stand by it. Uh, I'll accept. I'll accept. Yep. I've got no qualms. 100%. I'm not going to say it's Anya and Xander, because... Yeah. Anya could do better. Absolutely. Um, okay, so, well, my second thing is, of all the things that age po- poorly, what is the worst? Uh, because I think it's Xander. Absolutely. No question. It is Xander. It is... Uh, that guy sucks. He sucks. I so much suck. I genuinely think he ages more poorly than the special effects. <laughs> <laughs> like, like if they could go back and remaster anything, oh, I would make it would it be Xander. Xander. <laughs> it would be Xander. I mean, if they can replace an actor with Tignataro for an entire thing, they can do that with Xander, and I would welcome it. If it was literally Tignataro. Oh my god, Tignataro, are you free? Can we reshoot Buffy with just you as Xander? Scooby. Yes. I would watch a shit out I of that. I would watch that in a second. But yeah, Xander, Xander from the beginning to the end just doesn't age well. Um, we'll never, ever, ever forgive him for leaving Anya. I don't care. You can fight me about it. Come to me in the I, comments. I literally don't think anyone's going to fight you about no, that. No, he's just trash. He's trash um, that masquerades as a nice guy, and that's my biggest problem with him. Yeah, I just wish he had, like, learned more over the course of it, but I also think maybe, like, this is where you start to see the toxicity of Joss Whedon come out because yes. Xander was his, like, his character, the yeah. guy he identified with the most. Yeah, this is Mary you, Sue. Yeah, I think you really, really see that over the course of the show, and I think, like, you can really see all the writers across the board in a lot of different characters. Like, Who's Anya? I want to be there. Oh, 100% Janice Benson. Um, I might not be pronouncing her name right, um, Espenson. Um, either way, uh, I, I really think that she, uh, she, I don't think she wrote the original Wish. I think she came in at earshot. Um, but I, th- she's one of my favorite writers on the show. And I really think Janice Benson loved the hell out of Anya. How could you not? Uh, how could you not? But uh, Janice Benson was also one of the like big comedy writers on the show. Like she came from writing for Ellen's sitcom. Um, and she like, I think you can really hear her voice in a lot of that yeah. stuff. Uh, so speaking of Anya, this is, uh, this one's my hot take. Anya's death was completely in vain. Oh, completely agree. I think it, Anya for... To use the terms we're using now, I don't think we had it at the time, but Anya got fridged. Yes. Anya full got fridged for Xander's development. Mm -hmm. And development in the last five minutes. Yeah, like he doesn't even get to... I mean, I guess if you go into the comics of it, you can see he's developed. He's obviously become a a leader and... yeah, he has a cool yeah. eye patch. I feel like comics is a different episode. Absolutely. Because I also can't speak to the comics very much. Yeah. I stopped reading When Buffy Slept with a Woman. I was like, this is all I need to get from this. And <laughs> goodbye. I'm, I, I'm done here. Buffy's confirmed gay and I don't need anything more from you. Yeah, me. anything else is downhill from yeah, Absolutely. Um, yes, I do have a singular reason to watch things. What's your point? Um, but yeah, no, Xander, uh, she gets fridged so that he can grow. And the growth is so minuscule that it's not worth it. To explain fridged is when a character, usually a POC or a female character or a character who would be considered a, a minority of some kind, I don't like that word, but another one is not coming to me, uh, gets killed for the sake of a male character's development. Yes. So that uh, it is a catalyst for their rage or their feelings to change uh, to help them become yeah. a stronger, better And in man. this case, it was just Andrew saying to Xander, Anya didn't make it and he just looks sad. End of series. Series is over now. Like, I see what they were trying to do in that they wanted to express that Anya came into the show with a disdain for humanity, and at the end of it, she sacrificed herself for humanity. But in order for that to work as a storyline, her death had to have been 
it had to have saved something, anything. Absolutely, and it didn't. Yeah, if, if there was like, it, I would if have If it really was her and she had to die so Xandra could live. And I think what, what they tried to do is to have her save Andrew um, as a character and that she sacrificed herself for the weediest, dumbest of humanity um, because that's like, and I think that's what they were trying to do, but it really didn't feel like that. Yeah, though I do love Andrew. Me too. Oh, Andrew's I really like character. Andrew. Uh, shout out to Tom Lank. Uh, Tom Lank is great. What, I, a, what a great character. Him and him and Jonathan are great. Uh, I wasn't a huge fan of the nerds as Big Bad in season six. But oh, see, I was. I really was because it, that... I guess this felt similar to me as uh, Jessica Jones in that those villains were so real. Yeah. And that terrifies me more than any giant vampire, any, you know, Frankenstein monster. Like, that was real because their anger yeah. was human. And that was the that was the point of season six is that, that, like, the big bad was real life. Yeah. Quotation marks. And some people are very happy with what Marty Noxon did with that and other other people are not. I think if, if there was a mistake there, it was the magic metaphor, magic as drugs metaphor. I don't know if we needed that. Um, but I, I do agree with you that I think that they as a villain had a lot of potential. I wish they had just finished the season. Like, I don't feel like big, uh, uh, uh Willow is a big bad at the very end of the season. I didn't need that. No, no, no. Keep the nerds as the yeah. villain because I, I that's... I wanted them to become real threats. Yeah, absolutely. Because they can become that. Like And like they did, but in a way that I was like, did Tara have to be the one? <laughs> oh, yeah. But that like the incel vibes, <laughs> very intense. Yeah, it was definitely pre-incel yeah. in a way that was um, a little too prophetic. Yes, absolutely. Didn't need it. Um, <laughs> okay, well, we, you just mentioned a Tara, so I'm going to get into my <laughs> next hot take. Um, Tara should not have forgiven Willow for manipulating her and using magic I again. think they shouldn't have, she shouldn't have forgiven her so fast. Don't get me wrong, as a teenager, the whole, uh, can't we just skip it, can't you just be kissing me now, was highly romantic, but also a polar model of relationships. Absolutely. So uh, kind of the backstory of this, I assume if you're listening, you probably know, um, but uh, Willow starts manipulating Tara's memories, uh, causing her to forget Which things. is like truly, truly so fucked up, and I don't think they like acknowledged how how how, how gross that yeah. is. Uh, and yeah, was manipulating her so she would forget anytime Willow used magic or did anything bad so that she just got to believe that everything was good and fine while Willow was there abusing magic and uh, going down, um, you know, yeah. a, a junkie spiral, yeah. if you will. I think my biggest problem with this is honestly the fact that they even got into that storyline to begin with because honestly, I'm, I'm going to be real with you, they used magic as a metaphor for a lot of things, but primarily with Willow and Tara, they used it as a metaphor for sex. For years yes, they were doing that. That was established. That's part of what made it a revolutionary relationship is because on TV you weren't allowed to show that stuff. Like, Tara was a character, she was introduced in Hush in season four um, which is like episode t uh, 10, I sure. think. Um, but it, yeah, because Doomed is 11. Yeah, um, episode 10. <laughs> this is every um, day at our house. I just absolutely, want you to know this. That's very, very, <laughs> very true. Uh, nine is something blue. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, but it, she was introduced in Hush. And uh, from, from then onwards to season mid-season five they were not physical once except in the context of spells yeah um and then they kissed for the first time in the body um in season five 
this like mournful, sad episode where it was really buried underneath uh, the death of Joyce, which was cool because most of the time prior to that, uh, like female relationships were advertised as a sweeps week thing. Yeah, uh, like just a, like hot and sexy. Exactly. We're trying to get ratings, and this one they didn't advertise at all. And I really, really appreciate that. Like in the in the canon of queer history on TV, that's huge. Yeah. Um, but that made it even worse when they took magic, which was the thing that strongly represented love and sex between them that wasn't allowed to be shown on TV and corrupted it for the sake of drug use. Yeah. To me, that felt like just... To break down the very relationship that it helped build. Yeah. The one, like, one of the things that makes Buffy so good and such a good example for somebody who wants to start writing television, like this show taught me what television show arcs and stuff look like. But part of the reason this show is so good for that is it has a memory of itself. Um, it knows it like it'll make references in season seven to things that happened in season one. It remembers things that happened. It makes fun of Xander for dating too many demons. You know, like it, <laughs> it remembers things like that. Not just demons. Didn't he date a bug? Uh, yeah, he did. Uh, well, he didn't date, but he did try to sleep with his teacher, who was who happened to just happen to be a praying mantis. Anyway, you know, uh, common teen problems. Yeah, common teen problems. But the point is that like it felt uh, like a bit of a betrayal for them to then take music, uh, music. Uh, yes, <laughs> the corrupting influence of music. I mean, <laughs> ask anyone when Elvis came out. You know, uh, oh, those what hips. a weird reference. <laughs> the goodness gracious, the original hips that did not lie. <laughs> 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 but it felt weird. It felt like the wrong metaphor at the wrong time. Yeah. And like, I, don't switch metaphors on me like that. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when it comes to the gays. Yeah, I'm protective of the gays. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm being very explicit about that in this episode. Kaya likes being gay and the gays. It's a large part of my personality. <laughs> that and Buffy. This is the perfect episode. Yes. After this, I'm an empty husk. Oh, no. <laughs> anyway, uh, but yeah, so like, I think that's my biggest problem with it. And then it seemed very obvious that they needed them to get together by the end of the season in order for her, to de her death to matter. Yes. Um, and her death was supposed to be mundane, but it was brutal and especially... It was so brutal. Especially for a community who routinely... Uh, who routinely just like had their characters either murder at, or go evil and in this show do both. Yeah. It was like really hard on the queer community. Yeah. Really, really, really hard. So yeah. like that legacy cannot be forgotten. They did a lot of wonderful things and I think they tried to make up for it in season seven with... Kennedy. No. I really hate Kennedy. Yeah, I, no, I that's not a making up for it. You didn't do it. Kennedy is literally my least favorite thing on the whole show. More than Dawn? I hate Kennedy. I hate Kennedy with every fiber of my being. I cannot like her. I, I no, This is no shade on Ari Lehman, I think her name is. Um, she did a perfectly fine job with a wretched character. Oh. <laughs> I think Dawn had a use. What do you think of Dawn? Here's some hot takes. <sighs> Most people hate Dawn. She's fine. <laughs> I, it's just, it's every, that's all those sitcoms. It's like, now we're going to introduce a younger sibling. Yeah. Now here's a baby. It's just like, just cancel the show. <laughs> <laughs> no, because there's still good stuff after that point. But yeah, uh, yeah I mean, I agree. I, I think Dawn was written to be four years younger than they ended up casting her. Yeah, that would have made more sense. Yep. And I think I would have not found it so exhausting. Yeah, if Dawn was like 11 years old Absolutely. rather than 14, then her constantly screaming, get out, get out, get out at everyone she sees uh, would have been yeah. less extremely grating. Yeah, man, preteens are all about that. Yeah. Um, and like uh, Michelle Trachtenberg was doing her best. She tried. She tried really hard. A lot of people on this show tried really hard with what they were given. Yep. 
And good for you. Yeah, and it worked great for some people and, and less for others, and that's that's okay. I think, honestly, the rough edges of this show are part of what I like so much about it. Like, TV has reached a point of polish that I think is really magical, and people say that we're in the golden age, and that's wonderful, but I like rough edges. I liked being able to see through the seams. It made, it always made me very happy. Like, uh, I don't know. I love being able to see the stunt doubles. I love being able to see the oh rubber makeup. Oh, my goodness. Makeup. Where like, the stunt doubles are, like, not even slightly a different person, like a fully different physique. Oh my gosh, it's beautiful. In one of my favorite episodes, Earshot, in season three, uh, they, it turns out, and this is a spoiler, of course, that the person who is going to try and kill a bunch of kids at the, uh, at the uh, school is actually the lunch lady. Um, first of all, every villain in this show knows karate, and the lunch lady was no exception to that. Well, of course. But also, if you look really closely during the moment where Buffy runs in and starts fighting the lunch lady, uh, the lunch lady very rapidly becomes a tall Asian man. <laughs> <laughs> it is one of the funniest things in the entire show. I love the stunt doubles, but that is by far one of the most egregious ones. Please, I beg of you, go back and watch it. Oh my god! It's very brief because it's a stunt, but it's so funny to me how fast it's like, wait, what the hell? Wait, who's this? What? <laughs> the stunt doubles did a great job, and they had so much work on that show. Like, the hours were insane to try yeah. and pull off all of those fight scenes. Um, but that one's really funny. That's a, that's a look. <laughs> Um, okay, so now I want to ask you, what were your favorite villains? Because the villains are such a huge part of the show, and now you can get all spoilery. Yes, thank you so much. Uh, as I <laughs> You're as I mentioned, I think that the nerds are, I think they're my favorite villains because the, nothing else on that show terrifies me. Uh, I think that we're exposed to so many different monsters and so much pop culture. Totally. Uh, we've we kind of, uh, I mean, I don't watch horror movies, so I'm sure there's lots that I don't know, um, but... In terms of like the PG content, I feel like I've seen a lot. I've seen a sure. lot of different types of villains. I've seen werewolves and vampires and bloody blah, blah blah blah. Exhausting. Uh, and this was before I had really seen that that mirror representation of the world that I know um, with that toxic. Um, I can't get women's attention. I can't get the focus that I want. Therefore, I need to fight back. And I think that that to me made it so so effective. Yes. Um, and so terrifying. Similar, like I mentioned, like Jessica Jones, like that uh, villain where you're just like, oh, that could be anyone I'm walking down the street and that person might be this awful monster. Yeah, and like I know that guy. Absolutely. Those yeah. villains were so recognizable. Like I could probably, I'm not gonna because I don't want to be that person, but I could name people who would be that in real life. And that's, yikes, yeah. that's so scary. I really like too that some of the characters in those nerd guys uh, came from earlier in the show, so yes. they didn't feel like three abstractly awful Absolutely. people. They've been in the background the whole time. I mean, Jonathan has. Andrew was uh, t Tucker's brother from season three. But... Yeah, but that's still fairly early compared to when they became the villains. Yeah, and Jonathan was one of the most used characters on the show outside of the main four. Yeah. Like, he was in every season. Well, and we also saw him earlier in the show, uh, you're going to know the episode and I'm not, where he almost goes up onto the bell tower to kill people. Earshot. That's Earshot. the same oh, one as the lunch lady. Yeah, because yeah. he's he's not seen by anyone. He feels invisible and unloved. And technically he wasn't going to kill people. He was going to kill himself. It's just very decisive because, uh, or uh, confusing because he had a hunting rifle, which is not typically in what a one bell kills, tower. And kills themselves. It was with. in a bell tower too, it, right? It was indeed, yeah, yes. So, but that, that, like, these characters are established as being sort of on the fringe and kind of losers and yeah. nobody seems to really care to even get to know them. But they're like, I... 
I yeah. just want friends. And that's what the show was about from the beginning is is losers who end up on the fr- fringes and find power in each other. Yeah, and but so this was the the corrupt the corrupt version. version. So when those two find who's the the main nerd guy and uh, Warren Warren when they find Warren then Warren has that that evil edge on it. Whereas before they were just kind of sad about it and yeah. felt bad about it. Yeah. But then this guy's like, yeah, you're right. They are bad. Everyone is bad. They don't yeah. like you. They're against and you. And that's what it takes, right? Is one guy who wants to weaponize that. Yeah, sadness. that's that YouTube record recommended list where you just end up going down a hole because it keeps giving you creepy recommendations until you're like, yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. I do think the earth is flat. I love Jonathan and Jonathan's one of my like favorite characters going through. Warren is obviously terrifying, but because John Jonathan has that humanity going through yeah. and I know not everybody likes the episode superstar where he alters reality to like make himself a superstar. But also like we've all had those moments. I also really like it. And I love that they changed the opening sequence for him to have all the cool shots. Absolutely. I think that like now you've seen that before but at the time it would have been like what the shit is this absolutely yes <laughs> it's very fun yeah i think it's great other villains you like um i actually had forgotten that spike was a villain because uh, yes, i usually only watch the later scenes but spike is a very fun villain to be fair he kind of turns around towards the end of the season but yes yeah and then also uh i don't like it because of the character arc but it just the visuals of dark willow is so cool like yeah. that's like if I were to be a villain, that would be my vibe. Yeah, yeah, fair. Just fair. like weird, veiny face. Just, just floating around and stripping people of their skin. Oh, just, yeah, just baby. Don't mess with me. I'll take your skin. <laughs> I'll, ta- I'll take I'll your take skin. skin. I'll and take I'll your take skin. skin. Everybody gets flayed. <laughs> yeah. Sorry to bring you into this, Oprah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I... I yeah, Dark Willow was a big one. Um, I I personally think my two favorite villains are Glorificus. That one's kind of like controversial. Is that Glory? Not, yeah, that's Glory. Yeah. Uh, not everybody likes her, but I I really enjoyed uh, her because she was one of the first characters where she like genuinely was too powerful for Buffy. Yeah. And up until that point, I don't think you saw that. And I thought that that was where they kind of, for me, even though they've tried to do the first evil in season seven, Glory was the first time I was scared for Buffy. Yeah, you're like, like you might not win this. Yeah, like it, the mayor, I think, was the other one that was oh, like, that oh, was great. he's like, the mayor, I think, is the best villain. Uh, I think yeah, you can no, make you're a case right. that I'm- he is... Yeah, he's the best villain. He is absolutely the best villain in the show because he is just the most on point for every part of the metaphor. Um, And he's so fun. He's He's so funny, so manipulative. He's so manipulative. He's so funny. He's so, like, innocuous. Yeah. And his his relationship with Faith makes him so human. Yes, because he truly does love her. Yes. And it's beautiful. His relationship mirrors Giles and Buffy so closely. And she needed that so much. Yes. Um, But that also makes her more evil because of aligning with this guy who's pulling the strings. 100%. I think season three is, for this reason, like, just such a strong season. Um, but with that said, I also did really like Glorificus because she was also very fun and way too big. And that was, that was quite delightful to watch. Um, all right. Here's a controversial opinion. Oh yeah. The body is the most overrated episode. That's not my opinion. Uh, I, I actually think that's a beautiful episode. One of Anya's greatest moments. Um, also I didn't watch it for a very long time. I didn't watch it when I watched the show through. Um, because I was not in a place where I could handle it. I was like, I know this is going to be heart-wrenching, and I don't want to think about parents dying. Wow, no so way. So I didn't watch it actually until five or six years after I watched the show. Yeah. Because I was finally like, I can do this. I can be here. Yeah, no, that's very fair. I think the the body is, oh, yeah, that's tough, because like I can see why someone going into it, especially if you don't really feel for Joyce, 
could feel like watching that is a bit of a film school thing. Like he's like Joss Whedon's really kind of pushing his look how good my techniques are. <laughs> look how how like how carefully I have crafted this episode. Yeah. And it does smack of that a little bit. With that said, I think it, it's one of the first shows that I've ever seen that really tried to deal with grief as boring. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. Like, I think it did something that at the time was very unique. Mm -hmm. I just think going backwards on it, it might seem a little wanky. So I can kind of see why people think that. It's yeah. like, look, we didn't use background music. Look, all of the shots are really long. Look. That, so Kaya, yep. I would never notice that. What? <laughs> I would never some people, that. Well, some people would. The music, I think I didn't notice, but I felt. Yeah, he, he he made a point of doing a lot of those things, which I think is equal parts effective and also like a little bit ego stroking. But I will say I really like the episode. I really like it. And I really love Joyce as a character. Definitely, in my opinion, the best TV mom ever, um, bar none. Um, no, That's I stand a big by opinion. It. I stand by it. I oh. think I think Joyce Summers is awesome. Um, and I think watching her, watching her die and watching the fallout of that was heartbreaking. But I also think some of the, some of the scenes are kind of incredible. Like you said, uh, Anya's speech is really incredible. And it did feature that kiss between Willow and Tara, which I thought was like a really lovely moment. And one of the first times, again, I had seen a, a kiss not played as sexy between two, two female characters. It was uh, just love. It was just love and comfort. Yeah. And that's, that was so rare at the time. And I thought that was so lovely. So there, there was a, there's a lot to like about that episode. And I got to say, I still, I still love it. Um, but there's also some other episodes that one of mine was going to be, uh, that some other episodes are underrated, namely Restless and the musical episode. What do you think about that? Uh, which one's Restless? Restless is the, uh, all dream episode that ends season four. I don't remember that episode. So Wonderful. I'm going to say whatever you think about it is great. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, what do you think of the musical episode? I, I'm sure from a musical theater standpoint. Trash. Yes. It's it's not great music. It's not great choreography. Um, this is going to be a shameless plug, is that Kaya and I do a live read-through and sing-along of it, so I'm very biased. because I mean, I'm, not by ourselves. We do it with oh, 12 yes, with other the, people. With a wonderful cast. Um, um, and a choreographer who, by the way, is the person I got this opinion from, friend, oh, friend of the podcast, oh, Heather Urquhart. Oh, snap. Who we love, but we she love. has seen no, none of Buffy and just objectively does not like the yes, musical she, episode. She will not watch it. <laughs> she loves doing our show. Yes, yes, yes. But the, the episode's bad, in um, her opinion. I think it's a very fun... I think... I think part of why it was neat as a first episode for me to watch is it, it like any musical, gives you the real fast sum up of who each character is. That's like very even that true. opening number, you really get to know who each person is, yep. what their deal is. Yep. Um, and that's a very fun, like in that first, uh, one of the first opening songs, again, Anya talks about bunnies, which didn't make sense to me. She's afraid of bunnies. It must be bunnies. Very cute. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's a lot of fun. I think. I, I mean, I'm sure some of the actors hated it because they're oh, very clearly not the, singers. Yeah, some of the actors visibly hated it. <laughs> yeah, you can tell who doesn't sing because they barely have a line. Sarah Michelle Gellar was always a very good professional. Like, you could never see how much she didn't like doing this show on her face. Uh, but there were definitely moments where I know she didn't, and I know this episode is one yes. of them. Because she already had a long enough week. And yeah. then they were like, now sing. And she was like, no. Whereas I feel like... Uh, you know, Giles, we know that Anthony Stewart Head can sing, but he has such a beautiful song in there. Oh. I think uh, Amber Benson, who plays Tara, 
uh, gets a really fun song. Easily her best episode. Easily her best episode. And she's the one actually she, having fun. Yeah. Oh, good. very clearly she's having a good time, even though that song was written out of her range. Uh, it's written out of everyone's range. It's so it's high. It's so high. Yeah. I think a lo- at the time, a lot of people were like, oh, Joss Whedon wrote the musical episode. And then uh, in retrospect, it's the weakest part of the episode. Is yes. The fact that he didn't just get a goddamn songwriter. Just get a songwriter. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, uh, I, I love that episode. I think it's very fun. That's not, is that the first time where Spike and Buffy kiss? It is indeed. Right at Ooh. the end of the episode. And then they, they do it again in the next episode. Tabula Rasa. Uh, yeah. So I think it's just a really fun episode and a really good snapshot if you just want to get a sense of the show. It Things change in it and there might be spoilers, but if you, like me, have no memory, uh, you can go back and watch it and completely forget that they mention that Buffy dies twice. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, you can easily forget some of those, but it's just a very fun entrance into the show. Yeah, 100%. If um, you like musicals. If you don't, gosh, don't start with oh, that episode. You'll not, hate it yeah. because it's not even a good musical. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, I think uh, the, yeah, the, the thing about Buffy is that it had some, a lot of like, big weird episodes and that's one thing I like about it is it always was really swinging for the fences absolutely and like episodes like Once More Worth Feeling and uh, and and Restless and Earshot hush. and Hush and like there's so many episodes where like we're gonna do a big strange thing this episode and I loved that because I felt like it really used the premise of the show to the fullest of its ability the like Halloween episode where they all become their Halloween costumes yeah absolutely that's brilliant or the one or yeah or the one in the haunted house with uh, with Gaknar and the the whole like uh, all the haunted house becomes real yeah and great. everybody's fears comes to life that was amazing like there's uh, we could go on forever about every episode that took a really really fun premise and and really ran with it and that's I think the thing that makes one of the things that makes the show so special and that's like Joss Whedon gets a lot of credit but that's the whole writer's room that's everybody involved that like really really ran with that uh, speaking of Joss Whedon this yeah. is my last hot take yeah, I'm sure you know where one it's too. going yeah, 100%. Um, that we should no longer watch Buffy um, anymore because Joss Whedon it has uh, come out that he was absolutely awful to the females uh, mm-hmm. in his cast uh, and that people have called uh, for us to cancel Buffy. What do you think about this stuff? No, this is, it starts this with you. This is me? Okay. Uh, <laughs> just because I try. have, a, I, no, it's because I have a lot of opinions and a strong opinion on this. And, yes. uh, I mean, part of my strong opinion on this is it's personal because like I, Harry Potter is a good example of this because we know that J.K. Rowling is, uh, has doubled down on some very bad opinions. And I don't want to say that she is a bad human being because I do not know her. But as a trans person, she's done a lot of harm, and I do not like her. <laughs> yes. Um, and I wish she would stop. Just um, shut your mouth. Cancel your Twitter 100, account. 100%. With that said... I would never come down on anybody for continuing to read Harry Potter in their own time, especially because of the fact that for so many queer people and for so many trans people, those books were really important. Yeah. And so if those individuals can still can can still find something in that book, the whole death of the author thing, if they can own that story for themselves, then I I have no business telling you what you can and cannot look at like I think I think Cosby shows another good example like for a lot of people of color that show was hugely important to them yep. and who am I to tell them to stop watching it yep they have a relationship with that show they know what it is and that, that it's so personal what stories you bring into your heart and keep there with that said I don't want to endorse any of those people because their personal actions were horrifying I can't watch the Cosby show anymore yep. I can't read Harry Potter anymore but I also can't tell people 
how to how to change their relationship to something that might have changed their life. And Absolutely. that is the position I come to with Buffy is that like for me, it changed my life in every conceivable way. And so I can't just let go of it. It's too hard. Yeah. So I have to find my own relationship to it. And the way I do that is looking at everyone else who made that show run because no TV show, no matter how important, regardless uh, regardless of how big the showrunner looms, is one person. Yep. Absolutely none of it. And I would say that uh, the cast of Buffy all still benefit from us loving the show. The, the writers who went on to have wonderful careers, let's support them. Let's support everybody else and remember that for years we have been overshadowing their contributions talking about Joss Whedon. Let's shut the fuck up about him for a while. Yes! And, and let's talk about everybody else who made that show happen because now that I've been in writer's rooms and stuff, the showrunner is important but they're not everything and a lot of really good ideas come from everybody else. Um, so I, I would say like don't give your money to Joss Whedon shit right now. If you can get the DVDs borrowed, please do. I go think see... it's on a streaming platform. Exactly. Go see go see the actors at uh, Fan Expo and give them some money. Support their projects. But those people were the victims of Joss Whedon the most, way more than us. So let's get, show them as much support as we can. And then if Buffy's important to you, rock out. Just do it knowing who Joss Whedon was and let's not valorize him. That's my take on it. I'm so sorry. I really went off. No, that's... <laughs> I mean, you echoed... Exactly exactly what I would say about it. It's just people's individual relationships with fandom, especially ones that were so instrumental in their personality development and their their friendships and their their employment. Like, who am I to tell them, well, you're wrong. Yeah. You're wrong for that. You're no longer allowed to love the things you love because that guy was shitty. Yeah. What a terrible, in my opinion, that's a terrible take. Because, because like... Because uh, uh, you're just punishing more people because he was bad. And also everyone we love is problematic in some respect. Like, if you're going to like Lord of the Rings, you got to reckon with what was wrong with Tolkien, you know? And you, you got to reckon with all of those things. And I think, like, there is, there is a nuance in that and a shade of gray in that, but it's just a matter of how do we do that while still not... Uh, putting these people up on pedestals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's yeah. he's just a dude. Yeah, he's he's just a dude who was a piece of shit. A piece of shit who got a lot of power and was like, I'll use this for evil. <laughs> Which is pretty ironic considering the show that he made. Yeah, especially considering it's about a strong female protagonist. <laughs> Steph, here's a question as we wrap things up. Do you think people should still get into Buffy, can still watch Buffy? Do you think it's still a fandom that is, is good? I think it is. I... I, again, I wouldn't give Joss Whedon my money. Yeah, no. Um, but there's so many ways of accessing this content at this point. Do it however you like to get your content. I will not uh, shame you for any of that. Um, unless it's money to Joss Whedon. Um, <laughs> but I think that there's such a beautiful community that still surrounds Buffy. I mean, we've gotten to see it. We've been lucky to see it in this show that we do. 100%. Um, but people who love Buffy still love Buffy and they still find their friendships through it. And it's so it. pure. And it's so pure. <laughs> and it's, a lot of that show, I think, you know, we talked about it earlier. It's, it's underdogs uh, who find each other, and that makes them stronger. Yep. And I think that that's Buffy fandom as well. They Absolutely. find each other. They make each other stronger. Uh, and one shitty dude can't take that away. Uh, I and mean, that's the point of the goddamn show. Absolutely. So uh, just think of him as a big bad, and you find your friends, and you fight that yep. however you want to fight that. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I would say that about our show, which, by the way, just to clarify, none of that money goes to Joss Whedon. <laughs> uh, we, we throw a dance party after, and that's what our tickets are for. The show is otherwise free. We um, just do it because we love it. Yeah, we just do it because we genuinely love it, and we have a goddamn blast doing it. Um, and I love doing a Spike impression. But but the my favorite part of the whole night is 
is actually when the show's over and I can talk to everyone in the room and it's a whole room full of like-minded people and the number of people I have had come up to me and be like, thank you so much for doing this show. This is the most fun I've had in forever because Buffy is deeply important to me and it is so wonderful to be in a room full of people for whom it is equally important. And like that to me makes my heart swell because it's exactly who I am and it's exactly who we all are in that moment and it's like no one can take that away from us. Absolutely no one. I feel like I'm waving the lame is flag right now being like, can you hear the people sing? But it's so true. (laughs) That's the thing I love most about fandom is when you get in that fandom space with the other fans of stuff, like there's a safety, there's a comfort. There's there's, a love. There's a love. You know, looking around a room and seeing it filled with, you know, some people dressed as the gentleman, some people dressed as Willow, a couple of spikes. So many spikes. It's it's (laughs) so beautiful and it's so nice to, to just be there and share in that love. Yeah. The truest joy of fandom. So, like, de- de- own that. Uh, I think it's absolutely still a wonderful thing to to look back on, especially if you love TV. There's, uh, it was the show that <laughs> made a thousand other shows happen. Yep. Uh, Veronica Mars, so another, so many things. So, I highly recommend you watch it. Get on board. And also, there's been a resurgence because the '90s came back. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, baby. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's wrap this thing up, Steph. Uh, what are your What are your micro fandoms this week? What are things you're nerding out about? What are things I'm nerding out about? Oh gosh, I. Oh. Oh, frig. Um, I'm, you know what? I, last week, I think maybe a week before, I got a new tattoo, <gasps> and it's uh, done by an incredible artist, Molly Ostertag, um, who did some brilliant Hobbit flash uh, for Lord of the Rings Day back in September. Uh, and I, I got the door to bag end tattooed on my arm, and I have wanted it for so long, and I love it so much, and it makes me so happy every time I look in the mirror to just see just images of... The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. It just makes my heart swell. And I'm so excited about it. Yay. Uh, how about you? What What's your micro-fandom this week? Honestly, this sounds really nerdy, but just jumping off the, the Buffy. This show, nerdy. Um, <laughs> uh, jumping off the Buffy thing. This week, I've been thinking a lot about TV and how much I love TV. And the reason it is because uh, just this past uh, four weeks, I was teaching my first uh, class intro to the writer's room, which was a very basic level course because I'm still pretty new uh, to doing it myself, but it was a very basic level course on how writer's rooms work. And it really like re- re-energized my absolute love of the very concept of television writer's rooms. And I know that the, that's the dorkiest thing to get excited about, but even just like, I've just been reading articles about different writer's rooms rooms over the years and like Mike Schur's writer's rooms and like Shonda Rhimes writer's rooms and it's just been like I feel like I'm 16 again realizing that this is a, a career except it's happening while I'm doing that career that so cool. um, and so I'm just like so I'm now I'm just I've always been right back in that that's that space of loving the building of TV but I'm like just at 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 110% with it lately oh that's so nice. Yeah, I know, isn't it? Um, if if you want to share the things that you're excited about, your fandoms, the stuff you love, please reach out to us, follow us. We uh, want to hear it. Uh, we're at Fandom Show Pod on Twitter, uh, or reach out. We set up a little website, uh, at, which is thefandomshow.com, where you can also request ideas for future episodes. Do you have a fandom that you love and you just really want to talk about? Let us know. Or hear know. somebody else talk about or, or teach else. the world about. Ugh. Because I know for a fact that I have a hard time getting people, or I used to have a hard time pe- getting people into Buffy, and this primer would have been helpful. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, if you, we want to learn about every fandom in the world because we are fans of fans. So, oh my gosh, it's my uh, favorite thing. So yeah, tell us if there's a weird thing that you think that is a great fandom to explore. We want to hear about we it. We want to hear it. And <laughs> you know, before we go, I just want to say, love the things you love. 
and tell everyone about them because there's no greater joy than connecting with someone over something that they truly, truly love. Absolutely. And if they get mean about it, slay them. <laughs> you see what I did there. Bye. The Fandom Show is produced by Andrew Ivamy as part of the From Superheroes Network. For more great podcasts like this, as well as web comics, articles, and so much more, visit FromSuperheroes.com.